Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from a special guest. Man, what an awesome time worshiping with you guys today. So glad to see you here. Um, today we have, I had to ask him in the first service if we were <laughs> friends, but I'd, my friend Jason Curry, I had to ask him first service. We are, like, are friends, we friends? Like, we are. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I run and so I'm on the trail and I come back and I'm like, hey, I made a new friend today. And my wife's like, just because you waved at him doesn't mean they're your friend. I'm like, <laughs> So yeah. I had to make sure, but yes. So this is Jason Curry. He is um, teaching pastor at the church at Rock Creek. Uh-huh. And um, so he's here with us today. So y'all give him a round of applause and welcome him Thank as he comes so today. Thank you so much. Thank you. I got to spend the weekend with your students uh, at D-Now. Um, your church is just doing a wonderful job to invest in the next generation. It's not normal. You're doing excellent work. And, uh, and it's rare. I'm so excited to be here. Now, uh, I, I tell people I'm from Little Rock, but that's not really true. I'm from Pickles Gap, Arkansas. And Pickles Gap, Arkansas, and I know you have your phones. You can fact check as I go along. Pickles Gap is next to Toadsuck, Arkansas, which is next to Booger Holla, Arkansas. And the point is this. If they'll let someone from Pickles Gap preach, if this is your first time here, they'll probably let you stay too, all right? It's so welcome, welcome, welcome. We're going to talk today about what do you do with time? What do you do when you're not sure that you have much time left? If you're an athletic family or you like sporting events, if you've ever been to a game, you know this, first quarter, like I can check my phone, I can go get some popcorn if I need to go to the restroom, that's okay, why? Plenty of time left. It's not urgent. Now, a coach would get really angry at that, right? Because every moment matters and it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds and it builds. But if you know there's 10 seconds left, like you're you're the people around you like, don't bother me. Don't talk to me. Nobody's getting up, right? What's the principle? There's really a biblical principle here. And it's this, time matters most when we realize how finite it is or the brevity of it. When we think, oh, I, I got time, right? And what do we know? Time's not manageable. You you spend every second you get. You just manage your life in the context of time. And and man, when we realize that life is really, really, really short, it causes us to reflect in the correct way. Now, this happened to me. I landed at DFW on Friday at 3.30 and then got to experience your traffic. And, uh, And the brevity of life was right there because they put me in a car that had California license plates. And I enjoyed all kinds of wonderful hand gestures from Texans <laughs> as I was driving here with you. Uh, the, the real, I, I have two daughters. And, and by the way, if you got a Bible, go to the book of Ephesians in the New Testament, right? In, in my Bible, Ephesians is page 1033. I always say that because when I was a kid, my dad would be preaching and I'd just open a psalm and pretend, Right? because I didn't know the Bible. And so uh, don't do that. It looks like this. There's a lot over here and a, and a little bit over here. Uh, but there's a wonderful verse. Psalm 90:12 says this, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now think about that Psalm. It means this, what we just said. When we realize that time is not unlimited, we start to think more about our life. I, I have two daughters. I have a junior and a senior. And if you're a mom and dad with young kids or really any age, uh, when they were in kindergarten in my office at church, I bought these two jars and just filled them up with marbles that represented every week to graduation. And every Sunday I would take one out. It's Psalm 90, 12. Number our days. Oh, man. 
There's only 13 left in one of them. And so I'm more frequently saying, let's skip school today and just hang out. Don't worry about your homework. Let's go, let's watch a season of something together. Are you sure you could go to Texas with me this weekend? Time matters most when we realize that we don't have a lot. I'm only going to preach two verses today. It's a scary thing for a preacher because the context is the message. And sometimes we could take something out of context and make it mean whatever we want. And we've always got to remember a great Bible study starts with observation. What's there? What are the terms? What's the writer trying to say? And then it leads to interpretation. The wrong question is, what does it mean to you? That really doesn't matter. What does it mean is the right question. All scripture was written from a person in a place to a group of people in a place going through something. The more I understand the historical and cultural and literary context, the more I understand what's going on in the passage, which then leads us to the application phase. That's when you want to ask, hey, how do I apply this to my life right now? And this is going to be incredibly, incredibly applicable. I think that there's a good chance that most of us will walk out of here knowing exactly what it is that God has called us to do. But Paul's trying to get this church at Ephesus to imitate Christ. He's trying to get them to understand that they're not promised tomorrow and Jesus could return at any time. And if you go and read Ephesians 5 and then on in when he's talking about their relationships, he's saying, would you guys live up to what you already are in Christ? Like don't take the path that everyone else's life is taken. Don't live for the temporary things, live for the eternal things. And it makes sense, why? Because when Paul's writing, he'd been beaten, shipwrecked, stoned, imprisoned. He had no idea if he was gonna live another day. And in addition, he lived knowing that what? That at any moment, Jesus could return. Paul understood what the fourth quarter meant. Paul understood, if this is my last day, then I'm going to live for what matters most. And he writes this. It's, it, it, in two sentences, it's so much better than the opening that I just gave you. He says this, be very careful, not careless. Careless is when I think I've got plenty. Careful is when I don't have a lot. Be very careful then how you live, not as foolish, not as unwise people, but as wise. And then he says, making the most of every opportunity. The charge to the church at Ephesus is there's a God-given, Christ-centered mission and purpose for your life. Wake up every day and go where God's called you to go. Do what God's called you to do. Be who God's called you to be. Don't waste your life on the things that don't last and don't matter in eternity. Leverage the temporary things for the things that last forever. Why? Because culture is trying, the days are evil. Satan's trying to deceive us into living for things that, that don't last and, and don't matter. Now, I learned this in a little bit more of a lengthy illustration here than I, than I normally like, and then we'll get right back to the text. But I learned this this past summer. Um, I celebrated my 20th anniversary, and my wife and I, this is my wife, Courtney, um, right here, and that's as good as I can look right there. That's it, okay? I worked hard for that one, and we took, I think, 872 pictures to get that one, okay? 
And, and Courtney always looks beautiful. Um, but if you got kids at home, you know there's a difference between a trip and a vacation. Trip is when your kids go. Vacation is when it's just you. All right? And so we had gone, oh, it was so awesome. And I thought, let's maybe violate every Dave Ramsey rule and just run up the credit cards and stay and see how long we could stay. You know, you ever felt like that? And, and we're coming back from vacation. I know that there's worse moments in life, but coming back from vacation is awful. It's awful, right? And uh, uh, long story short, we we're taking off from Atlanta to fly back to Little Rock. And uh, I fly a lot. And there was a noise that happened, and I'd never heard the noise before. And I honestly, honestly, for a second, um, it, I thought a bomb had gone off on the back of the plane. And we're flying, and I'm not standing up yelling, is that a bomb? You know, that's how you die. And, uh, and so we just keep flying, but I'm, I start tracking us, and we're flying weird. Like, we're not flying to Little Rock, we're flying the other way. And then finally, we start flying towards Little Rock, and I thought, okay, I wonder what in the world happened. Well, we get about 10, 15 minutes from Little Rock and our captain comes on and he says, folks, the noise you heard when we took off was my back right rear tires exploding. And uh, the, the crew at Little Rock has let us know that their runway is not long enough to facilitate our current situation. And I thought, what am I paying taxes for? if the runway is not long enough to facilitate my current situation, right? And I mean, it's, I'm starting to feel it a little bit. And then he says this, so we're gonna fly back to Atlanta and we need to do that anyway so that we can burn fuel to be less flammable as we land. <laughs> right? And then, for the, this is not the sermon, but I, I, I could preach one on just, on just him. Um, and, and I got to meet him afterwards and have conversation. And then he says this, like, I mean, calm, sturdy, firm. And he said, for those of you that this is a great fear, don't worry. I promise you, I'm going to land this plane. And I thought, that's my guy right there, right? And I've, I got to fly. I need to know his name. God listens to my prayers and I need to start praying for that guy. And I mean, we're, we're flying all the way back and listen, when you've got about an hour and a half between a crash landing, you start to think about life, right? And Courtney, do we have anybody here that serves in children's ministry? Anybody? I know that they wrote, okay. Courtney, my wife says, I need to call Aubrey, who's our children's director. I said, what are you talking about? And she said, I need to let her know that I may not be there for the two-year-olds tomorrow. And I said, we got bigger things going on right now. And she goes, have you ever been in a two-year-old classroom by yourself? <laughs> right? And so the, the flight attendants are doing their whole deal, and, and, and we start talking. And uh, I was telling this story. Some of you guys, you, you, uh, anxiousness um, has become a common friend of yours. I was telling this story to some junior high kids, and the junior high kid looks at me. He says, did you make it? <laughs> and I got worried. <laughs> We, we landed, I took these pictures uh, um, when we landed, uh, if we got the next one right here, yeah. So this is our plane right there, you see all the buses that were getting us off. You, it's hard to tell, but uh, it's kind of sitting sideways. The next picture was from our seat, and you could see they're trying to get everything off. The pilot, when we got ready to land, he said, folks, most of you are going to see more emergency personnel than you've ever seen um, in your life. And when we were coming down, it looked like the whole ground was, was just lighting up. And then the last picture, it took them a while because we were uh, at, at an angle, and, and you know, a lot of folks need help getting on and off. And so they're trying to figure out how to get us off. Do you know how you know you've been in a serious incident at the airport? Everyone's nice to you. 
they were the nicest that they've ever been. Like we had one person assigned to us the whole thing and the buses took us to a hotel and all of those kinds of things. But in the in-between, I thought about this verse. I thought, teach us to number our days. And I started to watch as the flight attendant scrambled to call loved ones and Courtney and I just started to talk. And there are a couple of things that really, really, really really just were overwhelming. We laughed. I, I remember 20 years ago, 21 years ago, I asked Courtney to marry me as a senior at Mississippi College. I'd worked all summer at a church and dro- drove a forklift in my off time just to get the money for the ring. And I told her, I said, Court, I'm going to be a youth pastor. We're going to be broke forever, but I still want to marry you. And she just, I mean, said, I I, I love the idea of being broke with you. <laughs> we bought our first, these is like a $75,000 duplex and loved those kids in that church and never looked back, right? And we started to just kind of talk about it and we were so thankful that we've been obedient. And the first thing, if you're going to live wise and careful, I want you to write this down. There's four things today. If you've got a phone, you can jot it down on that. First one is this. Don't delay. You need to be obedient. And I want you to think right now, what is it that you've been saying tomorrow? I want some of you guys right now, God's called you. The mission field, to preach, to serve, to give. There's a friend in your life that needs to know Christ There's sin in your life that you've been saying for a long time. It's just the way you are, and it controls you. You don't control it, and you know that it's going to continue to grow. And what James says, it's just going to lead to death until you confess it and get on the outside what's been killing you on the inside. But what do we say? And tomorrow, I got time. I'll deal with that later. How many gospel dreams have gone to die because of tomorrow? That's what Paul is saying here. Would you make the most of the opportunity? And God's not looking for heroes. He's just looking for the obedient. Those people and everyone that's hearing my voice and you guys that are watching online, there's a st- all of your life, there constantly be a step of faith that God's calling you to and a step of obedience that he's calling you from. And so what's the posture of your heart? And the posture of your life, it would be so incredibly unwise to believe, I got time for that. So incredibly foolish to put off what you know that God has called you to. Look at this verse from Psalm 119. I will hasten and not delay. See, it's not just a a funny little sermon. I will not delay to obey your commands. Guys, God did not give us his word for consideration. It's for direction and obedience. And, and, I've been doing this long enough now to say this, I've never met anybody who took a step in obedience to or from and regretted that. I only meet people who say this, I wish I could go back and sooner, and sooner. And so we're sitting there on the plane, and we just started talking. And I said, hey, okay, an hour left, what do, what do you remember? And she, you know, a little tear. Courtney and I got married, and a few years earlier, she had given her life to Christ, and we started dating. 
She'd been baptized when she was a kid, but she knew that she needed to be baptized after her salvation conversion. But now she's a pastor's wife. And pastor's wives are supposed to have already done that. And gosh, now I guess about 10 years ago, we're sitting in a life group in our living room, which is so vital. We wanted our kids to see people studying scripture in our home. And we're talking about being obedient, and she's there, and she's tearing up. And I said, hey, what's happening? And she said, I need to get baptized. And I said, I know a guy. <laughs> and then she said this. You ever thought this? She said, Jason, what are those church people going to think? And I said, men, I said, I stopped caring what the church people thought a long time ago. You and I, we're just supposed to do what God tells us to do next. And we sat there on the plane flying back to Atlanta just laughing about that. And how sad for so many people who grow old with no gospel stories to tell. Because they haven't redeemed the time. What is it right now that God's calling you to? But you've just kept saying, man, I'll get to that and how quickly later becomes never. The second thing that I think Paul's trying to get us to understand is, is don't delay, say what you need to say. Say what you need to say. I mean, how many of us right now know someone that needs to hear the gospel? You know someone right now that needs to hear, I love you. Someone that you need to forgive. And you've kept saying what? Man, I'll get to it. It's going to be later. And then it's, so, it's so hard with family at first, isn't it? And we excuse it and put it off and justify it. That's not making the most of every opportunity. That's not the wise thing. Me included. We could have testimony time of how many people wish they could go back in time to someone who's no longer with us and say something that was left unsaid. Why would you live like that with everybody else that's here? We watched, man, as, as people started to text their families and try to get them on the phone, and we just kind of looked at each other, and it was just, oh, it was so good because we went, I mean, there's, we don't need to call anybody. We say, I love you a lot. No bitterness. We've forgiven the folks that hurt us. And there's, just think about it from a, from a biblical standpoint, right? Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. And the depth of your faith is always measured by your love for others. Always. The more you grow to love Christ, the more Christ is going to grow you to love others. He is. What does it look like? Man, there's four things. Today, you could say one of these four things. If you got a kid, you could say, I'm proud of you. If we've got that, those four. I'm proud of you. Or I forgive you. Come on. You know the most influential person in your life? The most influential and powerful person in your life is the person you refuse to forgive. They control you. Forgiveness sets you free. And you go, Jason, but you don't know anything about my life and what I've done. I'm just the waiter giving it away to you. It's the word of God. God knows what's best for us, right? If you've got a kid, wait for the moment of their greatest failure and tell them, I'm proud of you. My love for you is not contingent on your performance. 
I don't know that. I'm sorry. Man, some of you guys that are married, I've been married long enough to know this, that before you put it in drive today, you just need to go and you need to look at each other and say, hey, I'm sorry. Or I love you. We were watching folks scrambling and every year, oh, my dad's my hero. When I was a young father, he told me to do this and I thought it was silly because I got time for that. But every year, and it's the hardest day of the year, I write a letter and put it in the safe at our home in, in the past tense as though I'm already in heaven to Carson, to Cameron, and my wife, Courtney. And it starts with this. You won't believe what it's like here. Colors on spectrums that you don't know exist. Notes on scales that you can't understand or hear. Eternal pleasures that I can't even begin to describe in your limited knowledge. And Carr, I'm not watching you. I'm watching Jesus and he's watching you. And here's what I want you to know, right? Man, live every day making the most of the opportunity saying the things that you need to say, the most unloving thing that a Christian can do is withhold the gospel from the people in their life. Everyone you see today spends eternity somewhere and our claim is that we found the hope of the world. Risk it. You might not get it right. You'll mess it up. God will still use it. Redeem the time. Live wise. Say what you need to say. The third one is this, don't delay, change your perspective, change your perspective. And for some of us that live every single day with something to complain about and something that's always wrong and you believe that the current circumstances of life justify your love for others and your poor reflection of the gospel to everyone around you. Get a Bible and read the book of Philippians and then understand that Paul's writing it from jail In Rome, the most joyful man in Rome was in prison and knew that Nero was going to kill him. It is not circumstances that determine our joy. It's where our eyes and our heart is fixed and the foundation of our life. You know, when we finally landed and the plane came to a stop sideways, we were in the wrong city about four hours later and everyone cheered. That's never happened before on a flight. Why? Because being late in somewhere you're not supposed to is a lot better than being in flames. It's a perspective change, right? You know what I know about you? And I, I, I get to get in a car and leave in a minute so I can kind of say things on the way out. If it takes a perfect day for you to have a good day, you don't have any. Because you live in a fallen planet surrounded by sinful people and a third of the fallen angels. They sit in heaven. But the people who live with joy regardless of circumstances, it leads them to a place where what? Where people look at you and ask you, why? Have you thought about this? Like you could drive an hour probably in any direction and find a family in a hospital praying that God would give a loved one the day that so many people complain about. Man, a change in perspective. Listen to Paul said to the church at Corinth. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. 
Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What Paul is saying is this. Would you change your perspective? Would you view the difficult, hard, challenging, adversity, obstacle, sickness that all of us face? I'm not making light of your storm. But if you're going to live wise and redeem the time, you're going to have to see that storm through an eternal lens. And when you say this, those of you with mature faith would say this, the most difficult times in your life, if you lived your faith, what God did in and through you could not have been duplicated any other way. You would never want to go back through it. But what God did in you and through you, it couldn't have happened any other way. And when we live our faith in the midst of the storm, everybody's panicking on the plane and, and we were telling stories back and forth and, and, and I'm writing some things down and stuff like this. And the flight attendant comes by and she looks at me and she says, hey, what's your deal? And I said, you're gonna have to be more specific. I said, you just seem calm. You don't ever ask a preacher something like that. And I said this. I said, a long time ago, I came to the very clear understanding that God loves me, even, even in the midst of my sin, which is, you can't even imagine. And he loves me so much that he sent Christ for me. And Christ came and he died and he took my place because all sin must be accounted for. And then he rose again. So if this plane lands, I'm going to keep living for Christ. And if it doesn't, I'm about to see him face to face. A change in perspective. And I, can I just tell you, like God can lead you to a place of faith if you would respond to his calling. What are you fixed on right now? Maybe the change in perspective is this, is you're chasing the things of the world at the expense of the eternal. And you're missing out on what God wants to do through your life. To the Thessalonians, Paul wrote this, rejoice always, pray continually. What in the world? Give thanks in all circumstances. I don't like these verses. Because I want to believe what? That my current circumstance justifies my sinful response. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I mean, what would change today if you just decided, just today, that you were going to live obedient, whatever step God called you to, that you were going to go where he calls you to go, do what he calls you to do, be who he's called you to be, and in the midst of that, you decided that every single person that God brought into your life, you were going to be sensitive to what God was leading you to say, right? That it wasn't going to be a bunch of sarcasm, which is the love language of the insecure, but instead it was going to be the encouragement that always overflows from those who are strong in their foundation. And you started to believe that God placed you there to make a difference in people's lives and you started to see them in light of eternity and your perspective changed and you started to believe that you were wonderfully and fearfully made and God chose, chose to put you right where you are to make a difference and impact for the kingdom of God. Can I just tell you this? You get a group of folks in a church like this doing this everywhere, 
you begin to cause even more of a seeding problem. Because a hurting and lost and dying world is not used to faith that stands regardless of the circumstances. They're used to the up and down of weak Christianity. So how do we get to this point? Well, it's where everything builds in the foundation of life. The last point is this. Don't delay. Trust in Jesus. I thought for a moment how difficult an instance like that or a diagnosis that so many of you have been through, that moment where it comes very clear. It's the human condition to not think of the brevity of life. And scripture calls us to look at it from, from a supernatural standpoint, from a spiritual standpoint. But what happens to people when they understand absolutely life is finite? Absolutely. What happens to people on a plane? And I thought, my gosh, how incredibly heartbreaking it must be to live every day not knowing what eternity holds for you. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? My challenge for you, even though this may be the only time that I ever see you in my life, is this. If I could tell you one thing and one thing only, it would be this. Don't delay any longer. Trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. And and I think it, it might be fair for you to go, oh, preacher had a good story and he tried to get me. Is he pushing it a little bit, the traveling guy? Is he, just, you know, right before I went and ate lunch, he almost got me there. And I want you to listen to the words of Jesus. Just listen. Therefore, keep watch. Keep watch. It's the same phrasing. Don't be careless. Be careful. Be wise. Make the most of the opportunity. Why? Because you do not know what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and not not have allowed his house to be broken into. What's he saying? That he would have been ready and prepared. And then listen. So you must also be ready. Keep watch. Be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. The psalmist puts it this way, a human is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. And how many people will spend eternity, eternity in hell, separated forever from a relationship with the Father because they believed that they would trust in Jesus tomorrow? Or after I get some things together, or not yet, How many people have put off what they know, what they know that God has called them to? I I get asked, especially speaking to students, Jason, in our culture, how do you reach the fringe kid? The kid that's living for everything that those of us in Christ can see, that our culture is continually moving towards the return of Christ. And if you know scripture, you know that culture will continually get more and more and more sinful until the return of Christ. How do you reach that kid? And I go, are you kidding me? That's not the hardest person to reach for Christ. The hardest person to reach for Christ is the church person who's been pretending for a long time. And if they come to know Christ, they'll have to tell their grandkids. 
or their wife. And they're just doing religious things. And you go, Jason, could those people really miss the kingdom of God? I want you to listen to me. The most religious, churchy people in Jesus' time who knew more about Scripture than anybody else stood a foot away from Jesus as he died on the cross and they missed the kingdom of God. You can know about Jesus and be around church. But when did you trust in him? You say, well, what does that mean? Oh, you know what faith and trust is? Faith and trust is what you have in that chair right now. And if you got one leg up, you got all your faith in it. If the chair goes down, you got no plan B. You've decided, and you didn't even think about it, that the chair wouldn't let you down. That's faith. That's trust. To believe what? That God loves me, sent Christ for me, that Christ paid the penalty for me. My sin is not swept under the rug. It's paid for by Christ. My eternity is not built on my performance. It's built on Christ. And I'm believing what? That I'm saved by grace through faith. And so my question for you is this. When was the moment? If it was just me and you and some coffee on a good cold Texas morning, and I wasn't trying to get you or play play preacher guy or angry Christian online, and I just sat down and said, hey, tell me when you said yes to Jesus. And if that's a hard conversation for you, you need to have a real conversation this morning with Jesus. And ask him to rescue you. And ask him to make you new. As we got ready to just kind of go into the descent, reached out, grabbed Courtney's hands, and we prayed. And I started praying real prayers. I was like, I'll preach better, I promise. I was just so thankful that in that moment that I knew that Jesus was enough, right? I want, to, I want to invite you right now just to close your eyes. And I want you to think right now. What's the application for you today? A step of obedience that you've been putting off? conversation that you've been putting off, a change in perspective that needs to happen, or maybe for the first time you need to put your faith in Christ. And if you would say, Jason, I'm I'm tired of not knowing, I'm tired of running, just tired of being tired, and today you would like to trust in Jesus Christ, would you just admit that you're a sinner and that you need the grace of God? Do you believe that He loves you with all of His heart? Loves you so much that He sent Christ for you? And would you be confession today that your only hope is Christ, Lord of your life? With a very simple prayer right where you are, would you just ask God to save you? And so, Father, I pray for those that are talking to you now. Maybe they've been in church for a while. Maybe it's their first time. I don't know.
But would they not delay? They not allow the enemy to talk them out of it? And for those in the room with faith, would they be obedient? Maybe it's time to be baptized, to serve, to give, to go. And would all of us begin to say the things that you've called us to say to one another and live them out? And that we would live with joy, the reflection of who we are. Father, thank you so much for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you, would you do something for me? Would you look at the screen? And you, brought, you got a phone in your pocket. And uh, if you, if God's doing something in your life, if today you trusted Jesus, you, you could text SAVED, okay? All right, or, or scan the QR code. If, if you're really like, man, I ain't scanning or texting nothing. That's great, okay? John, my friend John's gonna come up here in just a minute and he, he'd love to meet you and talk to you. Uh, I, I, I know the folks that work at this church. They would love nothing more than to walk alongside you as you begin to follow Jesus, right? And so if that's the step that you need to take, um, we want to encourage you to do that because, my gosh, God has called us, called us. Our relationship with Christ is personal, but it is not private. It's not. And this church is the perfect church, I think, for imperfect people to begin to follow Jesus, begin to follow Jesus, okay? We've got some announcements that I want you to watch, and then John's going to come, all right? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.